Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and if you're new here, I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. If that sounds interesting, please subscribe.
So today I'm going to talk about sober power. In explaining what it is, I'm also going to give you the prequel to my last night of drinking episode. If you've had any interaction with me outside of listening to the pod, then you probably know I had a bazillion day ones before quitting finally stuck. I'll describe the entire process and why this time has been different. So let's dig in. I began drinking at 22 and immediately noticed that I did not drink like other people. Sure, lots of people partied, but nobody shredded quite like I did. I had no off switch or any bit of control over my drinking. Once I had one, I wanted 100. I very quickly became a daily drinker for a few reasons. The main reason I began drinking was because Some of the people close to me gave me drinks when I was stressed. I learned that alcohol took my stress away, and I was a very high-stress person. I also had this idea in my head that sharing a bottle of wine with my husband each night as we ate dinner was a very fancy adult thing to do. I thought most professional, sophisticated people drink every day, and I wanted to be professional and sophisticated. By the time I was 24, I knew that my drinking was an issue. I knew I was drinking way too much, plus I was throwing up a lot too since I had no control. I was getting married at 25, and I wanted so desperately to learn to control myself. It got a little bit better because I quit an incredibly stressful job, so I wasn't overwhelmed with stress constantly, but still I was at the mercy of drink pushers. I'm not a very fast drinker until I'm drunk. Then once I'm drunk, I start chugging. I know that's really counterintuitive, but that's how I drink, and I could never figure out how to stop that. So people would always pressure me to drink faster than I wanted to, and that was another big problem for me. At my wedding, people just kept handing me shots, and even though I had a no-shot rule, I did them because I was unable to even consider turning down a drink. It just wasn't something I could do. Who would turn down a drink? So I got super drunk at my wedding and blacked out for the last two hours. It's something I'm still extremely sad about almost five years later. So to be clear, I'm not blaming other people. I probably still would have been drunk, but maybe I never would have done shots and blacked out for two hours if people hadn't handed so many of them to me. So as I got older, I tried so many different ways to moderate my drinking. One of them was even to stop being social because I couldn't trust myself around other people. I always drank faster and more than I normally would, which usually ended up in me being sick or blacking out. So I stayed home and drank by myself or with my husband to protect myself. I had another high-stress job when I was 27, which resulted in me drinking a bottle of wine every single night and probably like one and a half on the weekend days. My alarm would go off every morning and I would cry. I remembered it was so miserable. And this is really what prompted me to change careers and become a scientist. So soon after switching to science, I actually started going to a therapist for my drinking. I was 28 and I was concerned that I was an alcoholic. My therapist said she doesn't think that I am, but let's try not drinking for a week and see how it feels. I was seriously terrified, you guys. I never even skipped one day of drinking unless I was too physically ill from the night before. But when someone challenges me, 
it becomes doable. So that's also another reason that I encourage you guys to go to therapy because you have to go see this person. Like I knew that I accepted her challenge of not drinking for a week and I would have to go see her next week and tell her if I drank or not. And that was very motivating, knowing I would have to look her right in her face in her quiet office one-on-one and tell her what happened. If you're struggling to quit, really think about going to see a therapist. So I made a plan for every single day, and I planned out my weekend down to the minute. We went to a grilled cheese festival, which is something I never would have done had I been drinking because they didn't serve alcohol there, so, so why bother, really? But it was actually so fun. We had a really good time. And then we went out to eat at a fancy seafood restaurant. Again, something that we would never do because we spent so much money on alcohol when we went out that we'd try to just share an app or two to keep the bill lower. So I actually ended up having a lot of fun on my first sober weekend. And this was really the start of sober power. I didn't claim it in that moment, but this was where it started. It was really hard to not drink. I'm making it sound like it was fabulous. It was hard. I had been daily drinking for for like five or six years at that point, every single day. So as soon as the week was over, I just went right back to it. I'm not an alcoholic, so no problem. So my therapist said I wasn't an alcoholic, so I didn't see any issue. So I must be fine. So this therapist obviously really sucked. So even though I love therapy, you do have to be careful if you're going to see someone and they're telling you something weird, you need to be able to trust your gut and go find somebody else. So I kept on drinking after this. I got another really bad job and my drinking escalated again for a bit. I was smashed every single night. I even had to take some sick days because I was so deathly hungover. That was something that I had never done before, and missing work was really not okay with me. It made me feel like my drinking was a problem. Missing work because you're hungover isn't something a normal, moderate drinker would have to do. I left this job really quick, and my drinking, it didn't change much. It was still bad. It wasn't like crazy like the amount I was drinking at that job, but it was still bad. I developed really bad anxiety, and my depression was at its all-time worst. So this was the last year of my drinking. If you've listened to my last night of drinking episode, you've heard a little bit about this. So I would force myself to stay awake all night long, thinking about what a loser I am, how bad I am for not being able to control myself, and just fighting off panic attacks. I had already drank a ridiculous amount of wine, so add not sleeping to that, and you get some pretty vicious hangovers. I started having to miss work again because of it. I continued on this way for a couple months, and then my depression worsened again. I started having suicidal thoughts when I would force myself to stay awake. One morning at 5.30 a.m., after not sleeping all night, fighting off panic attacks, and thinking about killing myself, I told my husband, I can't drink for 90 days. 
I really, really believed that if I quit for 90 days and I had a healthy reset, you can't see my air quotes, but I hope you heard them. So if I had a healthy reset, I'd be able to cure myself and somehow start moderating. I really, really believed that. I was so convinced that's what would happen. I just needed to reset my tolerance or get out of the habit. So the first few days, obviously, were really miserable. There was a lot of shame. I was feeling like trash from being so hungover. But the first weekend wasn't as hard as it could have been because I knew I could do a weekend sober and still have fun. That experience that I had a year and a half before gave me a lot of strength, which is what I now call sober power. So the more time you spend sober, the more sober power you gain. It doesn't matter if it's consecutive days or not. I did a week sober and it took me a year and a half to even do another day sober, but it didn't matter. I could still call on that memory of being sober for a week and having a sober weekend and it counts and it helped me so much. So just that one week over a year ago, it made me stronger and I was able to handle sobriety better. So many of us beat ourselves up when we make a mistake and go back to drinking. And what we don't realize is all those sober days count for something. They show us that we can actually do it. I didn't think I could even skip one day, but then I didn't drink for an entire week. Even though 90 days seemed daunting, I knew I could do one week, so I just had to string 12 of those together. So the worst thing that we can do is shame ourselves because that keeps us in the cycle and that makes us drink again. So if you haven't had a chance, go listen to my episode on shame. That's an important one. So back to the 90 days. On day one, I sat on the couch all day long thinking about what a loser I am and trying to cure myself with fat food. My only goal that day was to survive. That's it. No positivity, no hope, no sober excitement. Just get through the day and go to bed. When I woke up the second day, I felt a lot better. I didn't hate myself. I didn't have suicidal thoughts. I wasn't up all night having panic attacks and massive anxiety. And I felt a tiny bit positive. I was proud of myself that I started something. And feeling proud gives me so much momentum in my life. It helps me do hard things. So you really need to focus on your pride. We actually had plans for my in-laws to come stay with us my first sober weekend, which was definitely not ideal. I didn't plan on going nuts and needing to quit drinking, but that's just the way that it happened. I love my in-laws a lot, and I wasn't going to make my husband miss out on seeing his family because I had a problem drinking and need to isolate and get used to sobriety. So immediately what I did was I tried to rationalize. I could just drink this weekend, then go back to not drinking for 90 days. The goal was never full sobriety anyways. The goal was always moderation. But then I remembered how I wanted to kill myself last weekend and how terrible the entire weekend had been solely because of my drinking. So I decided not to drink. So going into this weekend, I was really, really terrified. I was going to be around alcohol constantly. I love wine. How is I going to abstain when I love it so much? We went to dinner. Everybody drank and hung out on the porch. 
We went to a paint night where everybody drank, so I white-knuckled my way through that one. I felt uncomfortable most of the time and just generally bitchy. I was pissed. Why can everybody drink but me? I felt so isolated and alone on my boring, uncomfortable, sober island. I felt like I was bringing down everybody's time and good vibes with my freaking sobriety. Thankfully, my in-laws just assumed I was on a cleanse because they know me as a healthy person. So I'm really grateful for that. I really didn't want to be asked why I wasn't drinking. Even though I was bitchy, I got through the weekend sober. And I realized that I'm really strong. And on top of that, I had way more fun than I ever did when I would drink with my in-laws. Instead of obsessing about my next drink, or how many I had, or how drunk was I, or how can I prevent not getting too drunk, I just enjoyed their company and was present. So during this 90-day challenge, I ate all the food. Mozzarella sticks and spaghetti with melted cheese on top were my jam. I hoped being sober was going to make me lose weight because that's what everybody hears, and it didn't. If anything, I'd probably gain more weight. So I told everybody about my 90-day alcohol-free challenge after a couple weeks, and I really quickly saw how unsupportive most people were. I had friends put their drinks literally in my face offering me a sip of it. I had other people say things like, I'm only ordering a drink if you are. So I ditched a lot of people during this time. I realized that they only wanted one version of me, the unhealthy suicidal party girl, and I can't be that person. And it just wasn't worth it. So it was completely okay with me to end some friendships. I remember when I got to day 30, that was so cool. It was such a special day. I did a full month sober despite multiple challenges and opportunities to drink. My husband Drew got me balloons, flowers, and a really special card. So I'll read you guys what he wrote in the card. Dear, I am so proud of you for transforming your life. This change affects you and everyone around you in a positive way. If you ever feel weak and powerless, you can always look back and remember this accomplishment. I love you so much and our lives will always improve overall, even if there are a few thunderstorms scattered about. That card meant a lot to me because nobody was ever proud of my drinking. No one ever got me balloons because I drank so much wine. So that felt really good. And the nice thing about sobriety is you gain so many opportunities to celebrate. Every month is like your birthday. I feel so special, accomplished, and important with each new milestone that I hit. It's amazing. Around day 60 or so, we decided to go to Mohegan Sun Casino. We had plans to do this before I abruptly had to quit drinking. A couple days before, I remember talking to Drew and saying, I've been sober this long. The plan wasn't to quit drinking forever. What if I just drank on this trip and then go back to sobriety until the end of the 90 days? 
I was still trying to rationalize how it was okay to drink, okay to give up on my goal. My husband told me we could have just as much fun without drinking and that he wouldn't drink either. I think something key here is his support. So him offering to not drink with me is really supportive. So I was really scared to do a sober casino. I was convinced it was going to be boring, triggering, and a giant waste of time. Who goes to a casino and doesn't drink? They even give out free drinks there because you're supposed to drink. Again, I planned the crap out of this weekend. So we made plans to go see a magic show, and then we'd go to dinner, gamble a little bit, and go to bed. Very safe. It's always important to have a plan. Don't forget that. There were actually two magicians in this magic show, and the second one brought me on stage to be his assistant. It was really, really cool. Drunk Jill would have made an absolute fool out of herself. Everyone would have been laughing, but I was sober and confident, and now I have a real clear memory of it, too. I'm proud of that moment. I'm not ashamed of it. I slept great. I didn't wake up in the middle of the night not knowing how I ended up in bed or having shame and anxiety, and the next day, I was so proud of myself. How many people can say they did a sober casino trip? So the days continued to pass, and I kept staying sober, kept having challenges, but I overcame them. And as I approached the end of my 90-day challenge, I realized that day 90 was going to be June 14th, and my birthday was the next day. So I never planned to do this challenge, but it really felt like fate. So we planned to go to a fancy North End Italian restaurant for my 29th birthday and celebrate it with alcohol. I felt excited and really nervous because I'd been sober for so long. I was a little scared to drink, as I should have been. This was probably the best bottle of wine I've ever had. The first sip made me want to cry. I love wine, and I was back. So I was never one of those drinkers who hated the taste of alcohol and just, like, got it down. I absolutely loved the way wine tasted. So my husband made a toast to my birthday and with tears in his eyes about how proud he was of me for not drinking for 90 days. And then we drank. So the plan was to just share the fancy bottle of wine and that's it. We ended up drinking the whole bottle before our dinner even came, so we had to order another glass each. We rationalized that away because how can you not have wine with your dinner? Then our waiter knew that it was my birthday, so he brought us each a limoncello shot for dessert. Drew also planned to take me on an evening jazz cruise around Boston Harbor, so this time I was pretty drunk. Drunk Jill loves to just drink more. So we drank two more glasses of wine each on the ship. Definitely not moderation. I was pretty drunk for the second half of the cruise and just not my best self. I woke up regretful and hungover the next day. So after that, I, I did actually moderate successfully for two months. I only drank on Saturday night and only two glasses of wine. And it really wasn't even hard for me. I was convinced that I was cured. Convinced. And then I was tested for the first time. So we went on a cruise, and on cruises you just, you drink the whole time. So I planned to drink and enjoy the cruise and then go right back to moderation. 
but I couldn't. When I came home from vacation, I was right back to my old ways. Every single day drinking, constantly messing up, overdoing it, unable to go back to the moderation that I had achieved before the trip. Very quickly, the anxiety came back, the suicidal thoughts came back. So I drank for two more months after this cruise, and it just got so much worse than it was before I quit drinking for 90 days. One day in November at 5.30 a.m. again, after not sleeping for the entire night, fighting off panic attacks and thoughts of killing myself, I accepted that I'm not someone who can ever drink, and I haven't. So when I quit for real, I had done a week sober and 90 days sober. So that's a lot of sober power. I knew I could do 90 days. I just had to do it over and over and over again for the rest of my life. Knowing that you can actually do it gives you so much confidence. And the other thing about sober power, it's not just knowing that you can stay sober, it's knowing that you can do freaking anything. Like, if I cannot drink, what else can I do? And things just started adding up in my life. I made some really big achievements in the gym. I lost 15 pounds and finally stopped hating my body. My marriage got a lot better. I started this podcast. I started writing. I actually just got a really good job that's leveling up my career that I'm starting on Monday. I never would have even attempted these things had I been drinking, but the power and the confidence that I gained from sobriety has allowed me to pursue all these other things. So that's what sober power is, and that's, that's really the point of everything that I talk about. So when I quit, I started reading a lot of scientific literature. I felt compelled to learn why I'm like this. Why did I develop a problem with alcohol and other people don't? So I became interested in just all the science of it, the psychology, the history, what's going on in the brain. I started reading and learning on a daily basis. I just couldn't get enough information. I would spend hours and hours just researching. So everything that I learn helps me feel better about myself. I'm not a failure or a loser. I'm not a bad person. Everything just happened to align in my genetics and in my life to create a problem drinker. I resisted it for a long time by not drinking, but as soon as I started, my problem drinking ways were unlocked. And once you abuse alcohol, you can't go back. Really importantly, what I learned after that 90-day challenge is I will never drink another way. Yes, I moderated for two months successfully, but the very first time I was tested, I failed and went right back and then it escalated. So I know when times get hard, if I go back to drinking, I'm going to drink that way. 90 days is a really long time. If that's not enough to cure me, like I'm incurable. I know that a lot of people get that itch. Like maybe... Maybe I wasn't that bad. Maybe I never really had a problem. It's been so long. Maybe now I can moderate. You can't. So you, you just can't. Listen to this episode again when you feel that way. Because 
You gave up drinking for a reason. You suffered a lot to give up something that's really hard to give up. And if you haven't quit yet, you are suffering a lot to even consider giving up something that is so important to your life. So we need to just stay away forever. So use my 90 day challenge as your fuel. Know that neither of us can go back to drinking and drink like a regular person. So the whole reason that I created this podcast and the reason that I share all the painful details is to help someone out there quit before they get suicidal. So alcohol causes the destruction of our mental health. Whether you haven't connected your middle of the night anxiety and shame to drinking or not, and it only escalates the longer we drink and the more our brain chemistry adapts. So I have been, hopefully, and will continue to show you that there's nothing wrong with you. I wouldn't have quit drinking unless I really believed that it was life or death. I didn't understand that all of my problems were actually caused by drinking. I believed that I had all these problems because I was a loser and a bad person, and drinking gave me a couple hours of relief. So I hope that I can show you that sober life is the better route if you're a problem drinker and give you some tools so that you can be successful and not have to get to a life or death situation like I did. I hope this was a helpful podcast. I was planning on doing something different, but I wanted to tell you guys more about me and more about all the times that I've tried to quit. I think people look at someone who has a decent amount of sober time and they think like, wow, how did they do that? That's amazing. I keep doing day ones and failing or I get to 10 days and drink again. We all did that. It took me years. I started going to therapy years before I quit, thinking that maybe I had a problem with drinking. So don't think that one day I just decided like, oh, alcohol is not for me anymore. It took a lot of pain and suffering and the pain and suffering you are going through is not unique to you. We all deal with it and you are not alone. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.